feel off balance. Time feels irrelevant. My sentences feel like they have no start or end point. The pressure on both sides of my brain takes me somewhere I don't understand. I feel off balance. My chest turns into its very own electric chair. My spine a pathway for the pain. My breath becomes shallow and I swear I don't remember how to properly breathe. They say it's just in my head. How can it be when I feel this way? Have you ever gone through something in your life and felt alone or like nobody would relate? Or do you know somebody with a mental illness and want to better understand what they're going through? These are all really great questions, and these are all things Keep My Light is going to explore. Join us on this journey while we have discussions that open up dialogue that include the tough questions, the topics that sometimes we stray away from, the conversations that we need to have. Welcome to Keep My Light. Welcome back to Keep My Light. I'm your host, Katie. And I'm Travis. <laughs> Hello, where are <laughs> Sorry. you? Sorry. <laughs> Travis is in another world tonight. He's just... A, five minutes... Before we started this podcast, he pulled up a uh, Wally, uh, yeah. like a, a little figure that he got You're going to out me, huh? I am. You're going to out I me am. like that. I'm going to okay. straight out you. It was cute, though. He said that it's his favorite uh, Disney toy. So because I have a whole like Disney collection. It's one of yeah. the, you know, the little things that, you know, you got to find something that makes you happy. And Disney's yeah. on my list. So Disney is on both of our lists. I think that's one of the reasons why we get along so well is because we both have the same love for Disney. I don't know if our listeners all know this, but Travis proposed to you his fiance in Disney. I did. I, I kind of was like a little afraid. I was trying to stray away from the idea of proposing at Disney because sometimes it feels overdone. But she's like a huge Disney buff as well. Um, and she used to work at Disney. She was a cast member there. Oh, and yeah. I it just felt like I needed to do it there. So yeah, I had no, to. It, it, just, was, it made sense. It was cute. It was cute. Your guys' photos came out adorable and seemed very yeah. fitting. Yeah, we uh, we had a lot of fun. It was uh, my brother went with us too, and so like planning the proposal uh, was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun. We we didn't go with our original plan. We kind of had some trouble that we ran into. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like no engagement ever goes, or no proposal proposal ever goes how you exactly planned it to go. No, and it didn't. Like we had a plan A and never created a plan B, and it was my mistake <laughs> because we did it before uh, dinner, and so. The bride to be was a little hangry, and I didn't get the amount of time allotted that I wanted. Um, so, like when we went to go do the initial proposal, it was like way too, um, like there were way too many people where we wanted to do it at, and I was like trying to wait for people to clear out, and she just like wasn't having it because I was trying to like set up a, a photo shoot for her. Yeah, and she was like, "Just take the picture." And Aww, it was like, okay, go best. ahead, take the picture. We're going to do it somewhere else. And it like completely threw us off, but Aww. it all worked out in the end. So, wow. so we had a blast, but uh, let's not take that away from episode four. Here we are. 
here we are another Sitting sunday down. another sunday recording another episode um one week apart which I is know. great for you us guys, we're, already, we're doing good yeah we're already like kickstarting like one of our goals and and yeah. uh you know making it hopefully a weekly thing but as of right now you know it's fine with with what we're doing and yeah we're good yeah we're keeping up so today's episode is talking all about how anxiety isn't a lot of people i've heard this phrase a million times that oh it's just in your head it's just in your head and for me that's been a really frustrating thing to hear from other people and to constantly have that is just kind of what dismisses anything that I'm, I'm talking about or saying that I'm feeling. And so today's episode is kind of all about how anxiety isn't just in your head and that it can be extremely physical as well. And I talked to Travis. I told him that I wanted to have an episode about this. And I think between the two of us, I, uh, I relate to this topic a lot more. I'm not sure. I actually haven't talked to you about it as much to see how you feel if, you know, if you have similar um, if you have similar kind of, I don't want to say symptoms, but that's kind of what it feels like to me, symptoms, symptoms of anxiety. Uh, and so I want to talk about this because I think anxiety physically can look different for everyone. You know, like the way it, it affects my life is going to be di- very different for you and for the person sitting next to you. Um, and some people that experience anxiety don't experience physical reactions. Uh, I, and I don't want to say reactions either because I, I don't know that that's, you know, the right way to explain it. But an example for me is that, I mean, I said this in the first episode that I've dealt with anxiety since I was very little very, very little. And I think that it has accumulated since I was really little up until now, me at 23 years old. I think the symptoms that I've experienced have gradually increased. Uh, For example, when I was in college, I I talked about this in uh, episode two, I believe, my experience with anxiety throughout college. And one thing that I went through a lot was the panic attacks, but when I wasn't going through panic, when I didn't, wasn't experiencing a panic attack, I was always very physically uh, shaky. I was very off balance. I was, um, you know, my heart rate was always going. I was like overheating um, all the time. I mean, it could be so cold and my body would just like, it was like a I don't even know. I would, it would have such extreme anxiety and then I would just be like sweating and, and uncomfortable. And, um, in college, you know, I felt like I was constantly in a state of feeling uncomfortable. I don't know if you can relate to that, Travis, but like, it was just a combination of being really shaky, feeling off balance, you know, a little bit disoriented. And then more recently in my life, within the past like two years, it's kind of manifested into more extreme uh, physical uh, reactions. I don't know that I want to say reactions because I feel like that sounds, that's not the right word that I'm trying to convey to you guys, but that's for some reason what's coming to my mind right now. Uh, but for the past few years, I've experienced extreme chest pains and recently it's been more 
headaches and chest pains combined. And a lot of people will entirely dismiss it and say, well, it's just in your head. You just got to like convince yourself that you're fine, you know, but that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the fact that I'm still feeling it and it still feels so real and it's uncomfortable. It hurts. And then it makes, you know, and then it makes you worry. And then it makes you think, is this something worse than it actually is? And I know when I'm experiencing anxiety, I have these reactions that I don't know how to, I don't, I don't know how to make them go away. You know, like, it's not like you can tell me, oh, it's in your head and I can say, oh, okay. So, and then I don't have chest pains anymore or my head stops hurting, you know? And so for me, those are some examples of what I go through. And I honestly, I go through, I go through the physical effects of anxiety on the weekly and, uh, it's not fun. Um, it's not something that I can seem to get people that don't experience it understand because they seem to think like, since, oh, it is in your head that you can just make that stop. You know what I mean? Like, I can just tell my body to not be in pain. But I don't know that that's, I mean, I know that that's not, that's not the way it works. I don't know what works yet. I'm still figuring it out. I, I try new things every single day, but um, I don't know. What do you, like, do you, I, I, Travis, do you go through anything similar to that? Like, do you kind of, can you relate to what I'm talking about? Well, I think, like, one of the biggest things is that anybody that has a mental illness, like, hates that argument, right? Like, it's all in your head. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you can just, like, go out and do something positive to distract yourself and stuff like that. And not a lot of people, like, actually realize that mental health also has a correlation with like your physical health as well. And it's kind of funny because we did some research when we decided that this is like, uh, this is a topic that we wanted to discuss because I never even really thought of it that way. Um, That there's like some physical aspects of my life that could like could be affiliated with my depression. Yeah. But I never like actually put those two like, those two things together. Um, and so what it like was for me was just basically like grogginess, like feeling because I, um, don't necessarily have anxiety or I don't deal with that too much, but, but my ailment is depression. And so the things that kind of like come along with that is just like, constantly feeling tired and just wanting to nap all of the time. Um, And just like on the days where, and maybe this is my own physical body thing and has nothing to do with depression, but it's like when the weather changes. No, that's a very, that's, I mean, people, you know, seasonal depression is very much a real thing. And right. And so it's like when the weather changes, my, my body like hurts and it makes it more difficult to like get out of bed and, and do stuff like that. So it's interesting. We were looking at an article um, today from medical news today um, that was basically like discussing the correlations between like depression and what it could do to somebody's body. Um, And obviously depression is kind of just, just one that I'm showcasing, but of course there's all forms of mental illness and, you know, could be correlated with the same things, but um, and so it's just like, it's interesting because you think about, 
the possibility of weight loss or weight gain. Um, and so like your appetite might change if you're feeling depressed and that might cause like unintended weight loss or weight gain. Um, you know, and so that could in results, you know, be correlated with like heart disease uh, or diabetes, stuff like that. Um, you know, chronic pain, just like unexplained aches, uh, joint, like muscle aches, headaches, just like a whole list of, of things that could be correlated with that. And people don't necessarily see that side of the disease. And so it's like, if you use that argument, you know, to somebody that has a mental illness that like it is in your head because it's considered a mental illness, it's not just that. Uh, and it might be for some people, yeah, for some people, it might not be as extreme, but I feel like for a majority of people, it is. And, and it looks different for everybody. It really does. Yeah. And so um, that's the thing that it's, it's, if you're using it as an argument for somebody, if they're not feeling well, and they tell you that they're not like physically able to do something, just try to remove that argument, you know, from, from the whole entire equation, because there's a whole a whole side of it that people aren't necessarily seeing. And I feel that's a little people aren't necessarily seeing. And I feel that's a little unfair, Well, you know, to be using that kind of argument. You know, Travis, what I think about is how a lot of people say it's ironic that we go to such extremes for people that get diagnosed with cancer or different diseases, you know, and I mean, people will start these fundraisers and there's just a ton of awareness that goes out for people that, you know, come about some type of disease or some type of cancer because I think it's because we can physically see what's happening, you know, like they're in the hospital. You see the changes that they go through once they're like, whether they're going through chemo or whatever they're doing to overcome this sickness. And... I think that the reason, you know, I'm so passionate about this topic and that it's aggravating for me is because exactly like you were just saying, and, and that a terrible, terrible saying it's just in your head because it is so physical for some people. And why, why just because it's a mental illness, does that mean that it's less important and that it should be less talked about unless there, uh, we raise less awareness about it because Maybe we can't see it all the time, you know? It's like, just because you can't physically see it with your own eyes doesn't mean it's not there. And that's why, I mean, I think we need to talk about it more. I think that when you're experiencing something, you can't just shove it under the rug. And, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times that my family has told me, like, you need to just get over yourself because it's in your head. But it's, it's I think people need to be more uh, empathetic towards the symptoms that you may be having because whether they were caused by a disease that you actually have or they were caused because you mentally think that there's something going on that you're it's still something you're trying to overcome you know it's not like it's not like a light switch and you can just turn it on or off it's just like with with cancer or any other disease you can't just turn it on or off you know and so I think that bringing it into a more normal discussion where we talk about what we're going through and, and that we can kind of relate to each other on what we 
you know, may share or what may be different. Uh, it's just, it's really important and, and just needs to be talked well, about. I think the issue with that is, is that the script is normally flipped, right? And so I think the reason that people don't necessarily build the associ- like the association with the physical and mental part of the illness is because the physical part almost always comes first in the eyes of the people that you're dealing with, right? And so let's say on a physical aspect, right, you're feeling like you're sleeping all the time and you're feeling groggy or whatever, and you're just like not wanting to do anything. Well, that's the part that people see. And so even though that it's like it could be the depression that comes first or the mental illness that comes first, people don't see that part because it's it's all in your head, whatever. And so if you're sleeping a bunch, people think that that's like, okay, that they think, well, maybe you need to like get out of the house and go and do something. And they think that maybe because the physical aspect comes first, then the mental aspect develops later. And it's not the other way around for people. So it's like, okay, if you see that and you see somebody that's constantly like sleeping, then you're like, oh, maybe if they don't get out of the house and they might develop depression because they're always keeping to themselves uh, and they're sleeping in a dark room all the time. Right. Yeah. But so, in reality, the reason that you're doing that is because of depression. Right. And so it's flipped because people think that, you know, you might have something physically going on, which might develop a mental illness instead, rather than the other way around where physical conditions might be, you know, coming to light because of a mental illness instead. And so that's the thing. That's why we can't necessarily have a conversation because it's not widely understood between people and people don't see that script and, and see it that way. They think that a physical illness is a physical illness and a mental illness is a mental illness and it's separate and there's no overlapping. That's a really great, that's a really great way to put that because it's, well, no, it's, well, it's because what it is, is it's this, this dark cloud that's above your head constantly that people don't see. And that's Mm -hmm. what the mental illness is. They don't see what's getting you down. You know, like we've discussed numerous times, like a mental illness is different for different people. Yeah. And so you're not seeing that side of things, but a physical condition could be seen. Yeah. And so it's it's just not correlated. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally relate to that. Um, you know, I think for me, a lot of the times, like, I know that this is something that pertains more so to me than to you, but like the, the chest pains that I talk about that I go through, whenever I bring that up, it's like, oh, well, if you continue to think that way, then you're going to worry about it. And then you're going to have anxiety about it. You know, and it's like, no, no, that's not, it doesn't come after the fact. It's like, what's going on in my head has caused this and has caused me to feel this way. And it's not that I want it. It's not that I like, it's not that I don't know it, but I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to stop it. Uh, I think something that would be interesting to find out from other people is, you know, I would love to like do a survey or something where I talk with other people and find out, you know, what it may, anxiety may physically feel like to certain people and what they do to help like relieve those 
physical reactions, you know? Because for me, the only solution is to sleep. Like, I can't, no matter how, I mean, I try to do breathing exercises. I try to meditate. It doesn't help. For me, I just, I, I right after it, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, I'm still experiencing it. So I would love to get to know other people's kind of remedies for getting not getting over but helping um resolve some of the discomfort because too it's not like you're uncomfortable 24 7 but for some people it flares up in different situations uh it persists for you know a couple days one day a week uh and it would be really it would be really interesting to just kind of see what that looks like others so then let's let's open that dialogue let's uh let's plug the social media right here in just the middle of the podcast okay Um, because i think that'd be great i mean one of the best people to pull that information from i think would be our listeners because Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are able to relate from that so yeah let's hear from our listeners um you can you can find us on twitter and, and instagram at kml podcast um, so let us know, are there any, any like physical conditions or anything that you feel, um, related to your mental illness, or do you know anybody that has any like physical, um, conditions or anything like that? And what is done to kind of relieve that comfort, if any, because sometimes people are still like, discovering the physical parts of that and trying to figure out what works for them. So send us a message or tweet at us. Yes. Let us know. And uh, let, yeah, open that dialogue. Cause we're, we're interested to hear from, from everybody else and see how that relates to their lives as well, or one of their loved ones. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, kind of drawing a little bit away from that and flipping things uh, to the other side, I, I challenge, you know, for people that are in my life, they know that I have these reactions and they know that I'm constantly talking about it and saying like, oh, I'm having a really rough day. My chest really hurts or like my head hurts or I just am not feeling physically well today. And they always, everybody that I know that knows that I'm experiencing these things constantly says, well, get over it. It's just your anxiety. And so I challenge people that know somebody in their life that has uh, a common and reoccurring physical reaction because of their mental illness to, to be more compassionate when they say that they're not feeling too well. And to, instead of just dismissing it and saying, well, hey, I know it's just your anxiety, maybe offering up uh, a way that they can, like, what can I do? You know, asking a question in return, what can I do that can help maybe um, ease what you're going through? Or do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk it through? Is there any way that, uh, I don't know, like, what can I do? What can I do to help? I think that there needs to be less, like, shoving it aside and more talking. You know? And we need to bridge. Yeah, we need to bridge that uh, gap of understanding between that and that's the same thing like being able to have like that open discussions about the mental illness but also with people it's like okay i understand that you're in physical pain 
what is it that I can do? Uh, because I think we're always so quick to, to cast that aside and say like, oh, okay, well, that's just your anxiety. Like it'll pass. Um, my sisters, my sister, God bless their hearts, but my sisters do that to me a lot. And they'll consistently just say like, Katie, it's, it's just in your head. It's just your anxiety. You're fine. You know, but how do you, how do you say that to somebody who really doesn't feel like they are fine? And then it just feels like you can't talk about it and that what you're feeling is irrelevant, you know? And it just kind of feels like you're just pushing it down and hiding it. And yeah, I think that's why it does need to be more acceptable to talk about it and to for people to be more compassionate about it because you don't want to pretend like it doesn't exist because it does exist like it does it very much does exist it's just a matter of figuring out how you can make it easier on yourself and how others can help you in that process so let me ask you then so do you feel you don't have chest pains all the time right it's just when you're feeling anxious yeah and yeah so it's not all the time and it's not like it's for five minutes and it goes away you know like a lot of the times it can take a couple hours or it can be like consistent for a couple days I remember I uh I shot a wedding in I shot a wedding in May and when I I don't know why. I think it was just a very stressful time in my life. I think I remember talking to you about this, Travis, but it was a very, very stressful time. And I was super anxious about, um, I was flying to LA. I was in the middle of a really busy time at work. I just had a million things going on and I was just so overwhelmed and my anxiety was just like on high. It was, it couldn't, it was so uncomfortable and the pain that I was experiencing was like ongoing for I think four days and I can remember like being I remember being in the car with uh my friend who we were going to shoot this elopement together and we were driving to Yosemite and we're listening to music we're you know having fun she we're just like talking about like old times together and just laughing and you know this this entire time in the car I'm trying to like in my head calm myself down we're if you if you look from the outside looking in we're laughing we're having a good time yada 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 but I'm experiencing the worst chest pains I'm so anxious I like can't calm myself down and all I keep thinking is if I just immerse myself in this conversation if I immerse myself in the music I'll be fine if I just don't think about it and just focus on like what she's saying and where we're going and embracing where I'm at right now I'll be fine but unfortunately that wasn't the case you know and it's like even in some moments where it can seem like everything around you is just is it's it's normal and it's casual and you're there presently you can still be going through something internally and of course that's not to say that other people automatically should know that and should like should address that because a lot of people don't know it unless you talk about it and finally I did I I said Al I don't know what to do I know that you know I know that doesn't seem like anything's wrong but I'm really in a lot of pain and 
I don't really know what to do to help it. And she was so supportive and comforting. And I think that that's kind of a prime example for me about how, you know, you don't always, you don't always see it. And so sometimes it's up to the person that's experiencing it to make the people around them aware about it, you know, because how, how would you know, Travis, or how would anybody else know that? And I was kind of thinking, you know, because I was like, you know, I, I don't necessarily know. It's hard. It's hard for me to kind of relate to the topic just a little bit on this one, because as I'm thinking about it, it was like, I really don't know necessarily of any like symptoms or anything that I can think of that comes from my, my depression. I'm like, I'm in pain all the time. But I, I, I honestly think that it was hereditary. My mom is like the same way. Um, you know, I was in marching band in, in high school too. And so I've got like really bad arthritis in my back. And so like, it just hurts all the time. But I think that's because I was like, I was wearing a heavy drum. It was hereditary, whatever. Um, but as I'm sitting here thinking about it, um, I did develop bad anxiety in college. And I'm thinking about it. And it was actually stemming from my work as a security guard for the casino um, up in the same town that we went to school. Yeah, because it was like when I was a security guard being able like in my position, being able to control crowds and because I was able to like wear a badge and, and control the crowds and knew my environment and stuff like that, it was a comfortable thing for me. Um, and I didn't realize that I was like really anxious in crowds until I started going on alternative breaks through our, like our, our college. Um, and if you don't know anything about that, it's a program basically in the university where you like, give up your academic break uh, for like a week and you travel to somewhere in the U S and you do some type of like volunteer work, but you do it with just a group of students. Um, you know, a whole group of students travels in two minivans to wherever we're going. And that's that. And you're being site led by two college students. or so your peers basically that are in charge of arranging all the details and all that fun stuff. Well, I was a site leader multiple times. And it made me super anxious to take a group of students to a completely new environment where I knew like nothing about and basically had to keep everybody alive for a week. Um, and that was tough because they were in environments that I wasn't able to control. Um, you know, they were with people that we knew because we had a whole like 10 weeks that we met every week to get to know each other and what we were going to be doing and stuff. But um, it was difficult and it would make me extremely anxious. And it was like when I got into situations like that, where there were large groups of people and I was having to keep track, like your heart rate, my heart rate was like picking up immensely, um, like sweating and stuff like that. And it was, and it, it, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm just a little bit nervous, but never really like put that together with any type of anxiety. Uh, Cause at the time I was going to counseling for depression, not anxiety. And so I was like, I don't have anxiety. It's fine. Um, well, but it was only when I was like doing that. And then well, I kind social of. Social anxiety is something that a lot of people experience, uh, which is ironic because people like you and me are very, uh, we're very extroverted. Well, I don't know. I feel like you're an extrovert. Introvert. I'm not. 
I feel like yeah, I feel I, like you're kind of you're like a middle because you are very introverted, but when you're in a social setting, you become extroverted. Sure, I'm extroverted when I need to be. Yeah, but I would rather be introverted. But yes, yes, that's very accurate. But yeah, I mean, social people that experience social anxiety, they they can come off as an extrovert, like you do, and I mean, it can spark a lot of anxiety because i mean like you said there's whether it is the pressure of whatever you're doing or just because you're experiencing that and you uh i mean it's just something that you go through when you're in a social setting you know like there may not even you may not even have something that triggers you it may just be social settings that make you feel that way i don't know if i mean you did a leadership safari you did so many different programs throughout college so i don't know if you experienced that if alternative breaks was like the first time you experienced that or if it was something that kind of progressed as you got more involved. Honestly, I think it's, I think it's my degree. I got, I got a degree in criminal justice. And so going through that curriculum, you, you do a lot of case studies and you read a lot about things and it's like what you're, you know, I don't want to get too political on, on the podcast, but like, you know, what you see in the media and how often you're seeing violence everywhere, like throughout the US and being in large crowds and stuff like that. And I'm not one for like letting the media and stuff like that influence, influence me, but it was difficult because it was like going through my degree and working in security and stuff like that, like being secure was a huge thing for me. And so being in settings where I feel unsecure, knowing that, you know, alternative breaks, for example, and having to keep track of another group of people and keep them secure and safe too, um, I think is what was difficult for me because you don't know what's going to happen. And so I don't think it's like just being in a social setting surrounded by people, but it's being in a social setting surrounded by people that I have no control over and have no idea what they're capable of as a very like extreme example. Which that is totally, I totally kind of get that. And I have a, I have a girlfriend who uh, got a degree in something very similar. And, you know, you do learn about a lot of the tough things that are going on. And so one way that they, that she got help throughout that so that she wasn't experiencing that anxiety when it came to her participating in, in, you know, social settings, different things like that, where she was there to help other people or there to lead is uh, whenever they would, you know, learn about something that may have been triggering or that could lead to something that could be triggering. They made sure that they offered some kind of counseling or some kind of therapy so that they could talk it through, you know, so that it didn't affect them individually. Uh, and I kind of wish that you had that within your major, because I think that maybe that may have, I don't know, given you somewhere to talk it through rather than just experiencing it once you did things like alternative breaks. Yeah, but I I don't know. It's It's a tough discussion because... I feel like if you were going into like criminal justice, you needed to be tough. Like that, that was the, that's kind of how it's portrayed 
basically depending on like what profession that you're going into that you need to be tough you need to be mentally tough you need to be willing to take on these things and that's the thing that it's like in my field there's a lot of positions where when you're getting into the job you have to get like a mental evaluation done and you have to like make sure that that you're good to go um and then getting mental evaluations throughout the course of your job too uh, which is interesting that you bring that up because I've never looked at it that way to where it's like, yeah, you might get mental evaluations done um, throughout your time in these in the field, but while you're learning about it and going to school, that yeah, there's there's nothing, you know, and it's not like we were taking classes that were at all graphic or you know anything like that, but that's it was like we were learning about stuff to be able to prevent stuff in the future, you know, like history repeating itself kind of deal. Um, but we just didn't really like see it that way. Or maybe I didn't because I was already going to therapy, but it never crossed my mind to like talk about the stuff that I was learning in therapy because I, I don't think that it had as much of an impact on me that I thought that it was, it was something that was happening way back in the background and I didn't realize that maybe what I was experiencing when I was anxious was a product of all of those things that I was learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I totally get that. It's kind of just like how, uh, I don't know if this relates as much, but you know how some people can read something online and it doesn't affect them at all. You know, sure. like they read it, it goes in their, in one ear, out the other, basically. And other people can read something and it can just manifest into like what ifs and worrying and like placing themselves in that scenario. And I think that's the difference between somebody that experiences anxiety and someone that doesn't because you should be able to read something and just kind of digest it and then move on. But somebody that has anxiety reads it, digests it, and then internalizes it you know and lets it affect them and lets it affect yeah. them and that's when it if that's why it leads to more physical conditions um so kind of going back to that too i want to talk about how there's so many different settings that may spark uh physical conditions like due to anxiety and that are they can be little they can be big a lot of people like there's very minute things like your travel so your commute into work a lot of people may find traveling or commuting wherever they're going to just be like a part of their day. Other people, that may be a huge trigger for them. For me, that is definitely one of them. Uh, and I know that that is common amongst other people that I've talked to that experience a lot of anxiety. Well, that makes sense because I think I think what you're going is that you have to you have to look at the bigger scope of things and realize that when people talk about anxiety, for example, they think that, okay, like for me, example, like anxiety just takes place in large groups of people mm -hmm. or going out to large groups of people is what causes anxiety, but that's not it. And so like going off of that stem of, of looking at things and then in, you know, internalizing it and letting it affect you. Well, then you go out in public and you keep thinking of those things that you've read or that you've seen and you ask yourself, what if, and that could be 
by yourself. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be in a social setting. It doesn't have to be in a group of people. That is something that you could be going through by yourself mm-hmm. in your bedroom, just thinking about, I don't know, something that's coming up in three months from now. You could work yourself up and get anxious about it. Or even, this is so stupid, so, something I will read, I will read something on Facebook, like a young teen just had a seizure. And then I cannot sleep because all I think about is, holy crap, that's going to happen. Which is so stupid because it's like, it's like the, the, how everyone says, oh, don't believe everything you read on the internet. It's like, can I tell my brain not to believe everything it reads on the internet, you know, or that like, right. I, that, that just because I read it doesn't mean that it relates to me. Um, but that, you know, that's kind of not really it's not really an option because I don't get to choose that. It just automatically happens, you know, and it's, it's, that's what anxiety is. It's, it's the worry and it's the stress and it's the manifestation into physical realities. And it's so much to try to process and to try to overcome that you hear the word anxiety and you think that it's just one simple thing, but it's not. It's so many different situations and so many different scenarios and it's so different for every person. And so, I think we're going to wrap it up a little bit. Um, but but I think that we have a common trend throughout all the episodes of our podcast. Um, and I think that is the fact that we're trying to relay that everybody goes through it in their own way. Um, and I think that's what this podcast is trying to do is that, again, we're trying to bridge that gap of understanding um, between people that may not necessarily realize what's going on or understand um, and getting people to see that you got to be like more aware of what's going on in their neck of the woods. And sometimes the best thing to do is to ask, um, you know, allow them to to be able to explain what's going on to create that better understanding um, and realize that that you might have one friend that has anxiety and you might have another that has anxiety, but it's not going to be the same. And you need to take every individual as its own, um, you know, case by case basis, because it's, it's going to be different. So be more understanding, um, you know, be willing to talk those things through and it's, it's going to be a lot better for you in the long yeah, run, I think. It's always, always so good to be able to relate and empathize with others. I think empathy is such an incredible, uh, such an incredible trait to carry. And asking questions is exactly kind of how you, you, you know, you create that. And uh, there's the saying as old as it goes that everyone is going through a battle that you may know nothing about. I think I just butchered that, but you kind of know what I mean. And yeah, you get the idea. That's very, very true. So always keep that in mind. That's why you should always be kind and smile at people and just, I don't know, try to be helpful when you can and don't dismiss things that you can't relate to. And I will use a quick example from that. Okay. Um, so I'll talk a little bit. So we talked about how involved I was in college, whatever. I started this organization. I'll just give you the quick spark notes of it. I started this organization called the Letter for Better, uh, where basically we take random addresses from uh, just a database online 
and we write them letters. And it's basically just, uh, hey, how are you? I hope you're doing well. This is a little about me. Hope it makes your day kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and we were basically, I built that organization off the premise that we might catch somebody on their worst day. And it could be that one letter that, you know, is what they needed to get them through that day. Um, because you don't know the battles that people are going through. And even just like walking past somebody and smiling at them or saying hello could literally save their life. Mm -hmm. And so if you are thinking about that when you live your day-to-day life, um, it's so easy. Like being, it's so easy to just be nice, uh, you know, to people. It's like, be nice to to fast food workers and people that like work in the service industry and black friday is coming up so be conscious of that and the people that are working there they don't want to be there they would rather be home with their family but they're there because you're there and just be mindful of that and be nice and thank them um because it's it's not okay yeah even even when you meet somebody that like you know it's instantly turns you off or that may be like very sour or or snappy or whatever to you you know like the easy way out is to give that same kind of reaction back but I think it's really important to step back and think huh like maybe that person is going through something and they could use a smile they could use a hug they could use a kind word so yeah yeah so you know tip tip your servers (laughs) you know it's not their fault that your food came out wrong okay yeah that's very true so always tip your servers I know um okay so so we're gonna end it right there we're gonna end uh with how we're gonna end all of our episodes which is something positive going on in our life (laughs) on a good note yeah um okay katie so what's been going on in your neck of the woods oh my goodness it's my usually you kick off at the good note i know Uh, i'm throwing a curveball at you okay so um a good note is that i am you guys oh my gosh okay this is my good note in two weeks, three weeks, the first weekend in December, I am going to Disney. Let's just draw it back to Disney. We started with Disney so we can end on Disney. I am going to Disney. I have a Disney trip with my former uh, Disney college program roommates. And so we're doing a weekend in the parks and it's going to be my first time experiencing the parks during Christmas. So I'll get to see all the Christmas decorations and... we have, you know, we're making dinner reservations. Um, we just have a ton of plans. And being with those girls is always such a fun time. They're my absolute best friends. And so that's kind of, you know, I feel like I'm just so excited for that weekend. And that's something that's just kind of pulled me through the the cold days here in, here in New York. And I, same for you in Michigan, because we, uh, we don't get too much of the... the vitamin d that florida is <laughs> yeah Anyways. are you going to uh the very merry christmas party i don't know i can't remember i'll have to ask the girls uh yeah i don't know i'll have to ask them i can't remember if we talked about that or not. well it's a separate event so i feel like if you don't have tickets you're probably not going because it's probably going to be sold out you know it's funny because for as big of a disney fanatic as i am and like i mean i work for disney i did the disney college program I'm literally wearing a Disney shirt right now. My room's decked out in it. And Travis, I mean, Travis is very similar. There's so much, as much as I love Disney, there's so much that I don't know. Like I've never, I wouldn't even know what that event is. <laughs> you know? Okay. Just because 
I mean, keep in mind, you guys, the first time I ever went to the parks was when I did the Disney college program. And that was in 2017. I never got to experience the parks before then. I never went with my family or anything. So everything was very new to me. And it's still, I'm still learning new things about, you know, the parks and, and events and holidays and all that jazz. So. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'm pathetic. I like literally watch, uh, you know, Disney bloggers like every day on YouTube. It's uh, disgusting, but can we so talk about I Disney wait. plus for a second? Yeah, I will talk about Disney <laughs> Plus you, for a second. Did you did you get a membership? I had Disney Plus pre-ordered. Like, of course, you guys, of course he did. <laughs> I was actually super bummed because I found out like if you have a Verizon plan, that's like uh, Don't you get unlimited. a year for free. You get a year for free, but I have my uh, Verizon plan through our university because I'm an alum and they uh, don't offer it. And so I think like a year ah, subscription, Central. 70 bucks could have saved $70 and they don't offer it because they're technically the account. It's it's dumb. I'm upset. Um, but we, my fiance and I, we've absolutely been loving it. Like we watch something almost every night. Uh, What's your if latest? You do have Disney Plus? The Imagineering story. <gasps> oh my gosh! I'm oh, so excited to see that. It's it's so good. I know. I'm so um, excited to see that. It's such a great story, and yeah, I like Disney Plus is is one of the the better investments. I think that. I'm almost ready to like get rid of Hulu. They're like raising their prices again. And yeah. I have like Hulu live well, TV. They have some competition. Like, I know. So, so I'm excited, but. Okay. Well, um, what's, aside from that, what's your, what's your good thing? Uh, my good thing is that I started my job last week um, on Monday. So my new job uh, that I switched over, that's like tailored. I, I stayed with the same company. Um, but now like I'm in a position that's tailored more towards like what I got my degree in. Um, so I'm just having yeah, a, a like, blast. What are you doing now? Yeah, I work in, uh, I work in loss prevention in my company. Uh, so it's basically just uh, kind of minimizing loss um, in all, you know, of our, our little like markets and cafes and stuff that we have. And so it's a lot of like reviewing surveillance footage and, uh, you know, catching people who are stealing from us, but I've been having a blast. Um, I'm fitting in there really well. We get along like with the team really well. Uh, everybody in the office is just like super positive and I'm having a blast. It's such a nice like change of pace from where I was before uh, because I actually like have a routine now, Monday through Friday, like nine to five. And it's nice because now I'm on the same schedule with my fiance and I get my life back. And I don't work Saturdays and Sundays now. Um, I don't work until like 3 a.m. every day. And, and he can blast, record so. the podcast now. <laughs> and I can record the podcast. Yes. So like ever since I got this new job, you know, we've put out, well, this is going to be, um, you know, episode four. So we put out two episodes. So you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> you know, 